Hey, everybody. This is Saul Marquez with the Outcomes Rocket. I want to welcome you back to our podcast. And I'm really excited to be kicking off a five-part series on trends and strategies in cybersecurity with Deloitte. And for today's episode, I have two extraordinary leaders in the healthcare, life sciences, cybersecurity space. And I want to introduce them to you. First and foremost, I want to introduce you to Tiffany olson Kleeman. She's a dynamic business executive with more than 20 years of proven business and operations experience within the information technology industry, the White House, the government and U.S. military. She's demonstrated success leading teams that repeatedly overachieve on key revenue growth targets and business outcomes. She serves as the managing director of clients and markets for Deloitte Cyber and Strategic Risk Practice. I also have the extraordinary Raj Mehta. He is a partner with Deloitte's advisory cyber practice. Raj has over 29 years of experience in the field of information governance, security, privacy, risk management, and compliance within the life sciences and healthcare space. His experience includes helping clients with cyber security strategy, risk management, and many other things. And with that, I want to welcome both of you to the podcast, Raj and Tiffany. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's such a pleasure to have you guys here on really such an important topic for healthcare and life sciences organizations. A lot is on the line. And to begin with, the first question that I want to start off for both of you is what challenges do life sciences and healthcare companies face related to cybersecurity management? Sure. And I'll get started. And uh, Tiffany, please feel free to add on. I think like many organizations and across industries, life science and healthcare has invested a lot in cybersecurity. But you look at it from a tools, processes, people perspective. However, I think we're coming to a perfect storm now. And I don't envy of being a chief information security officer or security leaders of uh, life science and healthcare organizations. And I'm going to talk about it from four perspectives. The first one is that life science and healthcare continues to be a top targeted by bad actors. We keep seeing it in the news and some of it gets reported, some of it is not. And we see them being impacted by things like ransomware for financial extortion. We see stealing of sensitive information, whether it's personal health information, personally identifiable information, sensitive research, and intellectual property. So it's been there for many years and we we'll continue to see that trend for sure. I think the second thing is the fast pace of change in business and technology in these industries. So you mentioned you, you spoke to one of my partners, Neil Butzer, on the future of health, and you talked about how that is changing. Yes. And we are seeing that change in terms of how, how the, the care delivery is shifting, as an example. The cloudification and digitization of systems, the application of emerging technologies like artificial intelligence, and just the number of devices. So the point is that the complexity of managing is becoming very difficult. With the fast pace of change, mergers and acquisitions, I got to share data across this ecosystem in healthcare life sciences. And all that I got to manage with the higher threats and a more increasing velocity and magnitude of risk that's changing. Thirdly, I want to call the talent management side of it because mm. in spite of some of the economic headwinds, organizations are still having a hard time attracting, and more importantly, retaining the right cyber talent. Because now you're competing across all industries. And so I don't have the right talent, that becomes a challenge. And fourthly, I think before many of the organizations, probably across industry, but especially in life science and healthcare, 
the chief information security officers typically had a pass, right? You, you ask for budget, you get it. I think we're starting to see some financial pressures now built from life sciences and healthcare, especially in the health delivery organizations. Mm-hmm. So now you have to almost prove out what is the return on investment? How do I bend the cost curve? How do I reduce cost? So going back to your question, what are the challenges? I have increasing risks. I have a more complex environment I got to manage. I don't have always the right talent. And by the way, I got to, I, I can't afford it because I got to manage and reduce costs. So how do I juggle all of those things? So those are some of the things that I'm seeing and dealing with, but maybe Tiffany, I don't know if you agree, disagree or thoughts. A hundred percent agree. And just a couple of data points to back some of that up. Looking at a number of different surveys and studies done in the market, life sciences and healthcare organizations reported more cyber incidents as a as compared to other industries, interestingly enough. Hmm. In 2020 alone, there were more than 10 million healthcare records exfiltrated, right? And another interesting data, and that's only growing over the last few years. And then the last data point is medical information now, whereas historically in the underground economy, one of the most valuable pieces of data sold was credit card information, right? Now, medical information is 15 to 20x more valuable in the underground economy being sold than even credit card data. And what makes this just to add to that, right? We're, when you think about the channels they have, it's not about just their organization. You're on an ecosystem, life science and healthcare. Everybody needs to connect to each other and needs to share information. So you're in a connected ecosystem. So you have to think about not only how do I protect myself, but how do I operate in a connected ecosystem across? So wow. Yeah. Yeah. Third party risk management is becoming increasingly more of a challenge. We know from a lot of the cyber breaches and incidences that have been disclosed that many of them were not due to just the breach of the enterprise itself, but through a third party breach that then impacted that enterprise and the data and their data. The importance of third party risk management is also growing. Yeah, so you you do everything right, and then you get attacked because somebody that you work with didn't have their ducks in a row. A lot of things can happen here, and certainly the pressure is felt by a lot of folks. And wow, some of the stats that you guys have shared really point to the importance of us thinking about this in life science and healthcare. What types of strategies are we seeing being employed by life sciences and healthcare organizations in this space? Yeah, maybe I'll take a a go at this and welcome your feedback to Raj. But I think Raj made a point earlier that I just want to reinforce. Cybersecurity historically was seen as like a tech issue. That's nah, just a tech issue. That's something for the IT and cyber team to deal with, right? Cyber now, the mindset shift of cyber has changed sizably. In one way, the board is actually looking at the topic as one of its top five emerging issues that it's reflecting on a quarterly basis. Now, that's in part driven by some of the regulatory changes, the new cyber uh, ruling by the SEC requiring more disclosures of cyber incidences with public companies, including life sciences and healthcare companies that are publicly traded, among other things. But With that shift of cyber now being seen as more of a strategic business risk, there is more visibility, more more questioning of cyber in the environment. But cybersecurity is also being seen not just as a, a business risk to address, 
but now increasingly an enabler to these organizations. And by that, we have done some recent surveys that showed that the executive teams, non-security executives, have said that they are now seeing cyber enable parts of their business in ways they never would have expected. It's actually helping accelerate growth. It's helping them move faster to digital transformation and cloud adoption, right? Because with that security, they feel more confident that they can make those shifts faster and actually helping from a differentiation perspective with regard to their brand and reputation in the market also. The last piece is a very important one and one that I'm talking to many boardrooms about right with about right now and that is resiliency. Organizations today should not expect that they're never going to get attacked or breached. They should expect when not if. In these situations when you are impacted, let's say there's a ransomware attack targeting your organization, How do you continue to operate through disruption, not just look at prevention mechanisms? That's important, of course, but how do you build in the right cyber resiliency? And that is also uh, a bigger and bigger topic with the executive teams and the boardroom. But Raj, welcome your reaction to that. No, I completely agree. Probably the other, from a specific tactics perspective, and if I go back to the original challenges that I was talking about earlier, some of the things that I've seen organizations do, especially when it comes to skill sets, cost and all that, they have tried to leverage managed services. This has been around for a long time, right? Hey, can I outsource certain capabilities around one or more domains of cyber uh, or offshoring in some cases that we've seen increase over the past several years to get the skills, skill sets, resources, et cetera. We have seen the at least the early stages of how do I use automation, artificial intelligence? Can I bring things more efficiently based on that side of it. So again, we're starting to see some especially large organizations set up what I'll call data science type center of excellences or departments to look at, okay, can I do things more efficiently? Can I bring, get better insights so I can focus on things that matter? Again, one of the early stages of it. Yeah, there's interesting things going on, right? To how do I balance costs, skill sets? Stuff is important, but yet I got to reduce costs. So it's a, it's an interesting environment, right, in terms of challenges and the types of things always are doing to address that. Yeah, no, some great call-outs there, guys. A competitive differentiator, taking into account this balance between cost and delivering value when you have that lack of talent. You talked about the four pillars there, Raj, and I love the idea of this resiliency and having a plan in place and how you're going to deal with it. It's a top five now, so it needs to be at the top of all of our radars. So as you guys work across the field with many different organizations, have you seen any limitations or challenges associated with the existing and evolving strategies? Yeah, I'll start with the two that I talked about. Right? So I'll talk about first of all, managed services. Look, man, the concept of managed service and outsourcing services have been around a long time and, and organizations have opted to varying degree of success. Yeah. And again, as I talk to many clients, and again, this is not based on any scientific study, but more than eight out of 10 or nine out of 10 will probably say, I'm not that thrilled with what I'm getting. Because what happens is you look at it from a pure cost perspective and you're just trying to say, keep the lights on. As I started early to say, things are changing, becoming things are becoming more complex. How do I, and then again, as Tiffany said, cyber is important because it's a borderline topic, but it needs to be an enabler. 
So with that in mind, if I what traditionally what managed services has done is just basically provide what I'll keep the lights on. There's no innovation. There's no how do I upskill my staff with that type of capability? How do I drive better insights? It's just it's not adding a lot of value in, the, in that sense. So a lot of people are questioning, am I getting the value out of this? I think that's one aspect. And also, oftentimes these arrangements are very rigid. So what happens is you go anything outside of it, I can't scale, or I'm going to charge you more as a change order, everything the way I have to do it. So it's, it's a challenge, right? When you think about how do I use it, I'm talking about the context of using an extended workforce to deal with the talent challenges and the skill sets needed as part of that. As I look at it from an automation perspective, we're still in the early stages, right? It's hard, you know, when you think about how do I leverage this to drive efficiencies, better insights, people that have industry background, cyber background, data science background, it's very hard to find. And so organization, I'm trying to figure out what is the right balance do I have? Do I connect and get it as a service for people who have done that so I can perhaps leapfrog those capabilities? But those are some of the things that I think about in terms of what has challenges along with the macro challenges I can balance all the stuff as I started also the conversation, but Tiffany, thoughts? Yeah. If I just think about the digital transformation initiatives that are being prioritized by life sciences and healthcare organizations today, whether data analytics, next-gen AI and cognitive computing, the internet of things, right? And medical devices, OT, IOT, Right. And even upgrading and, and transforming ways that they're interacting with their patients for care. Right. These all require highly specialized skill sets. And it's often difficult, not just for these organizations to hire these skill sets, but then to surge as needed because they don't always necessarily need the same levels or types of skills, depending on what they're doing. And so, Raj, to your point, I think what we've historically seen by lots of these organizations is, oh, I'm going to I'm going to leverage an outsourced managed security provider. That's really more of a staff hog type of model where maybe it's more traditional SLAs and keeping the lights on and but it's not satisfying the needs of where these organizations are going still with those talent gaps in place. So I see that as a real limitation or challenge that many are struggling with today. No, absolutely. Yeah. And, and this is a big opportunity for us to really dig into this idea of leveraging the extended workforce, right? So if we had to highlight the advantages, because when the talent's not there, it's almost like you don't have an option, right? So what advantages do you see in leveraging the extended workforce? I think, as I was mentioning, I think one, it helps surge from a surge capacity perspective. So you get what you need as you need it in specific specialized skill sets. Number one, there are some operations that you may need to have to scale and sustain over time. Security operations is one of those, for example. Maintaining your digital identity operations Mm -hmm. is another example third-party risk management. There are a series of different sets of capabilities or functions that you need to operate continuously. But the thing that I would advise it on is really, it's less about the traditional, yeah, I'm going to have a staff og approach with no innovation. And it's about just checking the box, right? To keep the lights on. Clients should be increasingly looking for how does my extended 
team, right, help to drive business outcomes at the end of the day, right? And that's the game changer. It's about creating that surge capacity and operations with depth and skill sets, but really with the ability to achieve those business outcomes. And that's something I know that we're increasingly focused on with our clients as well. Raj, anything else you'd like to add to that? Yeah, I would basically echo what Tiffany said, right? If you follow the traditional managed services security model, as I mentioned earlier, you're not seeing a lot of value. The advantage of using an extended workforce if done correctly, we should be able to really mature your capabilities. You got to drive innovation. You you got to be agile to bring in the right skill sets without every time needing a change order, for instance. The ability to use the intellectual property and other things to really help drive what the maturity, so balancing costs, but at the same time, giving you the flexibility to drive that. And probably more importantly also, infuse and upskill your staff, right? So that you can really get them because they're working at that company 24 months, years or whatever. You get the outside perspective, what's going on from an industry standpoint, what else is going on? And those knowledge capabilities can really help upskill capabilities. So we've seen a benefit when done correctly. Otherwise, it becomes a, a just a staff on play where you don't see a lot of value. I appreciate that, guys. Yeah, it really, folks... You're thinking about the augmentation of staff for these problems. I think the dots that we need to connect here as Raj and and Tiffany are pointing to is, how is it part of your overall business objectives? And how is it additive? Or the word that that you use, Tiffany, is an enabler to hitting the goals that you have in the market, differentiating yourself. So great thought there. As we look at just evolving the approach, how has Deloitte evolved its approach to cyber overall? Quite a bit. I, I would say Deloitte has historically been known to be a strong player in the space as it relates to advising them on architectures and even at some level helping them implement right capabilities. But increasingly, while we realize clients still have a need for those things, they began to increasingly ask us to help them in managing their cyber operations in various environments. And so We've actually launched several new managed security services into the market, including our managed extended detection and response capability for security operations, cloud-managed security services, digital identity as a service, third-party risk management as a service, data protection as a service. You see where I'm getting at. All of the things, right, where clients have historically asked us to help to advise and help implement some tool sets for them. Really, now they're asking for help us run it end to end. And what that helps them do is, as Raj said, not only continue to inject and infuse new innovation, right, into their operations on a continuous basis, but it's actually a single button to push for single contracting, licensing included. Like it's not, it makes it much simpler for them to also manage overall. And the last piece I will say, because I was just with a client last week on site and they said, by us leveraging your capabilities for our security operations center, it's allowed our people to elevate themselves into higher orders of thinking, right? Strategically and the things that they should be focused on for the business, allowing us to focus on these other things and and, and inform them so that they can make smarter, more effective decisions at the end of the day. 
Yeah, I'll, I'll add, right? Now, clients in our skin store, we call operate services. I, I don't like the word managed service security provider because it oftentimes has a connotation of no value, right? Just bodies to go do X, Y, and Z. Right. And so some of the stuff I talked about earlier, some of the disadvantages that traditionally has been with managed services, we sat back and say, how do I do things differently that adds value, right? Because we want to bring that Deloitte differentiator. It, we want to be connected to the client's purpose, right? We want to drive results and have a shared outcome-based success. Yes. So as we looked at our services, focus on outcome. Let's bring in our intellectual property. Let's bring in our alliances, to what Tiffany was talking about. Bring in the best, wrap that up with kind of our capabilities, and bring a service that is agile. We can improve the maturity, drive the innovation. And also, more importantly, making sure people understand the industry. People don't often, people always think about bodies of cyber. But when you bring somebody in who understands Epic, for instance, for the healthcare side, as an example, understanding what else all the digital quality requirements from a compliance standpoint on the life sciences side, as an instance, those are important things. So that's the approach we have taken to really drive results. And many of our clients have appreciated that. That's, and again, at a competitive cost. So those are things that we judge for. So again, we're passionate for serving of the operating space and the industry. And definitely appreciate the questions and the comments associated with it. So hopefully that answered what you were asking for some. It definitely does, Raj and Tiffany. Fantastic. In summary here, not only do you offer strategy as well as implementation, but you're also helping with the operations and really just taking it to the next level. The last mile, as we would say, in healthcare, the last mile of cyber, helping everyone operationalize these things that matter most. I really can't thank you guys enough for a lot of the insights you've shared today. If you were going to leave our listeners with a call, like just a call to action. What would you leave them with? Any thoughts of these adults? If you haven't already, change the mindset to for cyber to be more of a strategic business risk and an enabler to your business. Okay, so that's a good point. So okay. I'll, it's, that's, what I would say for you is use the extended force as truly a part of your team, right? Don't treat it as a box where you just throw stuff over. You're never going to get the results of that. Rethink. The extended workforce to augment and complement your teams to drive the results of a complicated supporting the complicated life science healthcare organizations. That's fantastic. Raj, Tiffany, thank you both so much. This has been incredible. This is one that I would hit rewind on a couple times because there was so much value here. Check out the show notes. In the show notes, we'll leave ways to check out the work that Raj, Tiffany, and the entire team is doing to make a difference in this cyberspace for life sciences and healthcare. It's needed. And we thank you both so much for doing what you do. Thanks for being with us. Thank you.